0: This fucking guy. Hello, my little poached eggs. Welcome to This Fucking Guy, a podcast
1: about self-care, if self-care is one long scream into the void. Here is where we use expletives and alcohol to emotionally process the creeps, jerks, and P-words that compose the shitty elevator music of our lives. I'm having a smoke, Ren Martinez. And I'm taking a drag, Ginger Gollum. I love a poached egg. I be, eggs Benedict is probably one of my favorite breakfast foods of all time.
0: That's the only context in which I've ever had a poached egg. I've never had one on its own.
1: Yeah, it's more. It has to be combined with something. I've also had like a, a like a soft boiled egg, which is close to a poached egg, and- um, with ramen. Cause with ramen, like you want that kind of like a little bit of that egg goo to get into the yeah. broth, and
0: mm, a, a totally hard boiled egg in ramen would be weird and gross, a tragedy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Got anything to scream into the void? I do. Um. So I know we complain a lot about boomers in general. I mean, because what's what is there not to complain about, right? But I do, I do want to take a stand and say millennial dudes that are too horny for their own good, also deserve to be mm. banished into the mm-hmm. ether. They should not have rights. Um And the reason is because, have you heard about Lola Bunny in Space Jam 2? Oh, Christ. <laughs> there are so many millennial dudes who were, like, really upset... <laughs> because this cartoon bunny isn't as fuckable anymore this animated rabbit for children isn't getting my dick as hard as it did when i was 12 what the fuck like some of the some of the tweets that have been have been categorized as um how am i supposed to beat to this which like Sir, I don't think you're supposed I don't to. think you're supposed to at least admit it on the internet mm. that you beat mm. <laughs> to, to cartoon rabbits. Um this crap is getting so old. Let's just get rid of everything with sex appeal because it offends a small percentage of people. Let's act like women with big boobs don't even exist. Sir, she's Sir? a rabbit. She's a bunny. <laughs> like she's a rabbit. And rabbits with big tits do not exist. <laughs> I don't know how many bunnies you're trying to fuck, but if you've seen oh one, my God. there are no tits on them. Um The woke keeps waking up from sleeping. Gotta love all this pressure that's coming from the woke. Not sure why people are so soft nowadays. These people who are woke are the same ones who don't know what how it is to have a conflict because they're stuck in the house all day. <laughs> Which, like, first of all, who are the woke? <laughs> just keep the woke, the woke. It actually—it sounds like a Stephen King novel. That would be a good Stephen King novel. Um, and then this one—who, this man—honestly, honestly, honestly needs therapy. Um, they took away Lola Bunny's tits for the Space Jam sequel, and I'm so furious! I just punched a hole in the wall with a picture of the hole, sir. And if there isn't, if there isn't
0: a more synthesized condemna- condemnation of millennial cis hetero men, Whoa. it's it's all right there.
1: Just, I mean, guys, it is the internet. Like, don't get me wrong; you can make anything. You can you can draw anything with big tits on the internet. Yeah, like if that's really if that's really what you need to keep going in this cruel, cruel world. Just draw some tits on her. I promise you there will
0: be lots of Lola Bunny erotica on the internet. I don't think there you are already ever supposed is. I don't think you are ever supposed to masturbate to actual space jam
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that should be like some sort of like fucking narcotics anonymous kind of shit where it's like My name's Greg. Hi Greg and and I masturbate to Space Jam. Oh, Greg, that's so brave. We appreciate your bravery in coming out in this space. This is a safe space for everybody, okay? <laughs> and just
0: at the word space, just starts ripping it. <laughs> just <laughs> starts ripping his own dick off. Just beating it so Which hard. It's really
1: funny because there's also a segment of millennials who like are really horny for Bugs Bunny and drag. yeah. It's
0: a different group. It's a di- they don't really overlap. They're, yeah, there's no Venn diagram. <laughs> weirdly.
1: I mean hmm. I think it's a generation. we are all weirdly horny about weird stuff, but like there again, all those dudes who are whacking it to Lola, I again, I have revoked your rights. You're not allowed to associate with civilized society. Um, you you can exit now. Exit stage left. I mean,
0: I'm over here being a fucking hypocrite because I'm like, what nasty birds masturbating to that? They're not even real sexy anime cartoon characters like Fox Robin Hood.
1: (laughs) I mean, we had a whole conversation a couple episodes about like the sexy 10 foot tall vampire lady from Resident Evil. But anyone who finds the sexy 10 foot tall vampire lady like worthy of boning, you are acceptable. You're allowed to be here. Dudes who want to fuck a cartoon rabbit. Nope. Exit. Go away. They're probably the same dudes who also wanted to fuck uh, Judy from Zootopia. I bet, they, I bet it's oh, the same
0: people. Oh, I thought you were going to say Judy funny from Doug, and I was like, that's
1: not an overlap I was expecting. No, no. S- same thing. Female rabbits. Yeah. Mm-mm. Huh. And the thing is, is that these people are not furries, because furries are wholesome and deserve our respect.
0: Yes we want to be very <laughs> clear about that <laughs> this is what this we're is, talking about is the dark and sordid underbelly of reddit
1: this is this sa- this is a safe space for furries okay we co- yeah. welcome all here because all of you deserve respected love yes i
0: respect you i don't understand you but i do respect you
1: <laughs>
0: and thank you ren I'm going to have to explain to my dad what a furry is now.
1: <laughs> that's that's my goal every episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, before we get into
0: it, I wanted to give a shout out to listener Hannah Williams, who reached out to me after our gender reveal episode. Um, I asked her if I could read this on air because it made me very happy. She said, I know that the I identify as an Apache helicopter thing is a crappy joke. But I've also known and dated enough helicopter pilots to know that they kind of do identify (laughs) that way because it's their whole personalities. Doesn't make the joke less stupid, but just a fun fact. So (laughs) thank you for your bravery and service, uh, dear Hannah. Oh boy.
1: Uh, A friend of mine um, posted a comic and I can't remember the context of the comic, but the, the dude who was sort of like the, the douche bro in the comic was like kind of had like auburn hair and a beard and square glasses. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, this really looks like Travis McElroy, but he would never like it really does. And my friend who's who who isn't well versed was like, yeah, I mean, I guess it does. And all I know about him is that like he's from Ohio and they're the worst people. And I'm like, acknowledged. However, while Travis McElroy looks like a man whose entire personality is craft IPA beers, mm. he would fistfight a turf in a parking lot. And oh, yeah. And that's why we stand. And perhaps has. <laughs> I wouldn't tell anyone. We don't know why he had to leave LA. Mm. Mm. Fistfighting turfs.
0: In parking lots, just had to... Rule number one, to-
1: we don't talk about turf fight club. <laughs>
0: Less a club and more assault.
1: A calling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so on that note, I think it might be time for us to get some therapy. All right, Jinji, why don't you tell me about this fucking guy?
0: Okay, there's a lot here, so I'm just gonna say fuck intros and tell you that Alexander Bell. Was born in Edinburgh, Scotland, on March third, eighteen forty-seven.
1: There, there's going to be a lot here. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the that's that's the the phone guy. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> that's all I know. So,
0: I I all I will tell you to start off with is that I read this to DJ earlier, and he just at the end of it looked at me and he said, "I could do without a phone." <laughs>
1: Ooh, so it's gonna be spicy.
0: Alright. Uh, Alec, as I'm gonna call him, had two brothers with fantastic names, Melville James and Edward Charles Bell. Mm. His father was Professor Alexander Melville Bell, a phonetician. That's that is when your job is about the sounds that language makes in the corresponding Hand signals if you're speaking in sign language. That's what that is.
1: Oh, so like the difference between like, ah, ah, ee, ah, ah, ah. Probably. <laughs> oh my God.
0: This song will not stop following <laughs> me around today. <laughs> oh my, I, mm, I'm, I can't, mm, I can't even get into that. Mm.
1: So the point is, is that um, a Melville like was really into sounds.
0: Uh, yes, uh, when he was ten, young Alec looked around at his brother's dope-ass names and went, I've gotta get me a sick middle name. I have no fucking clue why his parents went all out for his brothers and not for him. He was not the oldest child. He was not the youngest child. He was the middle child and the only one without a middle name. Because mm, they didn't like him. Maybe. But Yeah. Uh, he begged his father for a middle name of his very own, and for his 11th birthday, his father allowed him to adopt the middle name Graham, chosen out of respect for a family friend
1: and patient of his father's. What a weird thing to yearn for as a child. Oh, if only I had a middle name. Like, alright. Yeah. I was trying to get, like, you know, fucking Lincoln Log shit or whatever the fuck.
0: Fun, fun digression there. Um, apparently, DJ was not supposed to have a middle name because his two older siblings from his father's first marriage, neither of them have middle names. Um, but then his mother snuck one onto his birth certificate—a <laughs> <laughs> secret middle
1: name—and then they're like, it, "Well, well." His middle name, as we all know, is DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yes, domestic Jazzy Jeff Jew. <laughs>
0: Hyphenated middle name. I don't know why his mother chose that, but, you know. <laughs> you know, she was a woman ahead of her time. <laughs> Shout out at home. Thanks, Oma, for listening to the podcast. Anyway, um, even at an early age, it seems like Alec had two main interests. Sound in inventing things. To the invention point, much like our friend Tesla, Bell was building household devices from an early age. For his first real invention, he created a dehusking machine for his best friend's family mill. And as a gift of gratitude, the friend's father gave the boys a workshop for inventing. Mm -hmm. So wholesome. To the sound bit... Uh, Alexander Graham Bell was apparently very into music and poetry and allegedly mastered the
1: piano despite having no formal training. I thought you were going to say masturbate. Mm. I was like, masturbated to the letter A. (laughs) This is all kind of
0: very – this is all sort of very straight and normal until it's not. So – I promise you it's going to get interesting. The reason
1: – I feel like – because we always hear these kids' stories where they're like, oh, yes, like, when they were six, they invented this, or, like, they became a piano prodigy, or, you know, they fucking worked on the farm. It's like this – because they uh, – did they not have toys before, like, 1946?
0: No. Absolutely not. <laughs> And that's why Lincoln logs were an innova- were an innovation like that came fifty years later. And those are just sticks with notches. So it's
1: not that they were smarter back then; they were just so bored they, they were- created husking machines.
0: <laughs> yeah, how bored do you have to be? It wasn't even his family's mill. <laughs> he had to go to somebody else's mill and go. I'm gonna add some brushes to a propeller. And please,
1: please let me have
0: something to Jesus do. Jesus Christ. Um He mastered the piano, yada, yada, yada. Despite being an introvert, he liked to do voice tricks at parties to entertain guests. Specifically, he was basically doing ventriloquism but didn't have a puppet, which sounds so fucking creepy.
1: Yeah, yeah, but...
0: They were so bored. They're so bored. There wasn't there wasn't an ox cable to pass around. You couldn't put on jams. There were no hot jams. They didn't even have phonographs. Yep. That's why he had to master the piano
1: furiously. Furiously, furiously. mastered the piano.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell's mother Eliza began to lose her hearing when he was 12 years old and she did eventually become deaf or mostly deaf. Alec was a very good son, and he learned a finger-tapping language so he could sit at her side and tap out conversations going on in the room. He also developed a technique—I'm just going to quote Wikipedia here, just so you don't think I'm making this up—speaking in a clear, modulated tone directly into his mother's forehead wherein she would hear him with reasonable clarity— So this is his mother's head. This is great podcasting. He's going like this so he can (laughs) hear her with clarity. Uh, mm, All right. I understand that this worked. I even understand why this worked. But it's not something you can do in public without causing a bit of a scene.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's weird to mouth your parents' forehead. I'm just going to say it here. Yeah. Take a stand. (laughs) i originally
0: had that finger tapping technique written down as a manual fingering technique and dj had to be like no 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 no
1: that's not how you're gonna say that i mean not after the mouthing the mom's forehead thing like what Mm -hmm. is he getting up to no
0: he had many things about him that was not one of them bell's father uncle and grandfather were all in the business of elocution and phonetics His dad wrote a book called The Standard Elocutionist, which is still in circulation today. In the book, Daddy Bell explains methods of teaching deaf people to articulate words and read other people's lips. Daddy Bell taught all the baby bells how to write visible speech. Visible speech is a system. I'm going to explain this very badly. Be warned. Look it up yourselves. It was a system that Daddy Bell created in which symbols are used to represent positions and movements of the mouth so that deaf people could learn to speak accurately. You can also learn, basically, to speak a foreign language through just this notation.
1: Can I say, one, that's kind of cool, but also, to nerd. Like, nerd. Nerd. Well,
0: again, we've established there was nothing else to do. Mm. Um... It is kind of like the modern phonetic alphabet, if any of our listeners know what the fuck that is. I didn't. Uh, apparently, Alexander Graham Bell was so good at this, he could decipher visible speech representing virtually every language, including Latin, Scottish, Gaelic, and Sanskrit. All right. He was so fun at parties. <laughs>
1: <Nerd>. <laughs> like, oh, guys, Alex here. He's going to... Do that weird thing with his mouth again, I guess.
0: Yeah, speaking of being fun at parties, uh, Daddy Bell got the Baby Bells interested in automatons and then got them to build one based on visible speech principles. They constructed an artificial larynx and head that they could manipulate to say, Mama. Uh, okay, it is the worst word they could- It is the worst word they could have potentially chosen in terms of being the creepiest thing in the world.
1: This fucking mechanical half-head shit. I mean, ma 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 Please Mama. kill me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me die.
0: Um... But yeah, I mean, this sounds fucking terrifying to me. They didn't pe- have
1: friends.
0: They didn't have friends, <laughs> and no one had anything to do, so people from far and wide came to see this abomination. Oh
1: my god,
0: man. Little Alex saw this and went, nope, I can make it weirder. <laughs> and he used visible speech to try and teach the family dog to speak. He taught the dog to growl continuously and then would reach in its mouth and manipulate its tongue and vocal cords so it sounded like the dog was talking.
1: Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, you're not That's su- what it sounded like, actually. <laughs> you're not supposed to fist the dog's mouth, Alec. <laughs> Get your hand out of the- this poor dog. This poor
0: dog. I also don't know what kind of a dog it is. Like, it's a Scottish Highland, so it was probably like some kind of Irish wolfhound or Newfoundland or something very big. But I'm also kind of imagining Beans <laughs> and <laughs> trying see. to do this with Beans and just like, uh,
1: can't You can't fit your hand into Beans' mouth.
0: No, but you would only have to do one finger.
1: Just like a little tongue depressor.
0: Every once in a while, he just starts emitting this noise like he's deflating anyway. So I think uh, (laughs) (laughs) you
1: you can't do that to Karen because Karen will bite your finger off. Yeah, the whole thing. (laughs) And honestly, you would deserve it. I would deserve it.
0: She knows better. Alexander Graham Bell left school when he was just 15. He was one of those kids who was very smart, but also bad at school and hated it and was contemptuous.
1: Because teachers hated him.
0: Probably. He was just back there with his automaton in the back row going, Mama. It's like, can we just just kick him out,
1: please? God damn it, I hate this child so much.
0: After dropping out, he moved to London to live with his grandfather. His grandfather apparently taught him more than school ever did, particularly educating him in public speaking.
1: So if by education you mean, Alec, stop being such a fucking weirdo and learn how to be a human person.
0: Learn how to speak to other people. (laughs) Jesus. No, not
1: through the dog. Not through the dog. Stop throwing your voice. Use your own mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Freak! <laughs> you are not bringing the automaton. No, absolutely not.
0: <laughs> Use your own mouth is definitely going to be the name of this
1: episode. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, uh, when he was 16, Bell was hired by Weston House Academy in Moray, Scotland, as a pupil teacher of elocution and music. Um, he then attended the University of Edinburgh and then the University College of London. At age 19, Bell wrote a report on work he was doing with tuning forks in resonance. You don't need to know what that means. It doesn't matter. And sent it to a family friend to look over. The friend was like, uh, someone in Germany already did this. And then sent him a copy of Hermann von Helmholtz's work, The Sensations of Tone as a Physiological Basis for the Theory of Music. That doesn't matter either. You don't need to know what cool. any of cool. this cool. is. It's cool. words all right, all right, in right. case anyone wants to look it up. Bell read a poorly translated French edition of the book because he didn't fucking know German. And based on the mistranslations, commenced experiments that would lead to the transmission of sound and the telephone. He later said that if he had actually understood any of the principles of electricity or... Or German, he would have been too discouraged to invent the telephone. (laughs) I love it. Bell started teaching deaf students at the Susanna E. Hull's private school for the deaf. In 1870, though, Bell's second brother, Melville, died of tuberculosis. His brother, Edward, having died also of tuberculosis a few years earlier. Everybody died of tuberculosis. I don't think that there was any other... I've seen
1: Moulin Rouge. Everyone dies of tuberculosis. You cough
0: gently into a handkerchief. (laughs) There's blood on it. You have five minutes to live.
1: My gift is my song. (laughs) And then you're on an elephant and you do a beautiful ballad and you come what may. It's great. And then you die. I don't
0: understand how she had the breath control to do any of that considering, you know, dying of tuberculosis.
1: She's also singing on top of an elephant. So let's, you know, stretch the limits of imagination.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going to draw the line. Okay. Um, so Melville's dead. Edward's dead. It's only Alec left. Daddy and Mama Belle were like, shit, London seems like it is hella bad for your lungs. No, thank you. Let's peace out to Canada. So they made Alexander Graham Bell stay behind to sell the house, close the family business, and dump his own girlfriend before moving to Canada with them and his brother's widow.
1: And when she asked why, he's like, I I, ha- I have another girlfriend. She's in Canada. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it. it is what it is.
0: Apparently she was like, I want to move to fucking Canada with you. And he's like, well, I suppose that's it then. <laughs>
1: No, actually, I would imagine homegirl being like, you have to choose between me and Canada. And he's like, oh, oh, no. Peace. Whatever will I do?
0: They wound up in Paris, Ontario, arguably the most underrated Paris. <laughs> He continued his interest in visible speech, and when he discovered the Six Nations Reserve across the river from his family farm in Onondaga, he learned the Mohawk language and translated the previously unwritten language into visible speech symbols, so it could actually be preserved. This is a cool thing. There's not a fucking joke here. I just think that's cool as hell, and And it is not in like any of the main things about him. But, oh, well, um, for his work, Bell was awarded the title of honorary chief and participated in a ceremony where he donned a mohawk headdress and danced traditional dances. I will allow that, as it seems like they asked him to do it. <laughs> he didn't just snatch a headdress and go, all right, we're doing this now. Let's go, let's go. Ugh. Daddy Bell was offered a job teaching visible speech at the Boston School for Deaf Mutes. Uh Yeah, none of these names are going to hold up well. It was the 1800s.
1: Nothing held up well. The
0: terminology, twas whack. <laughs> so Daddy Bell was invited, but he was like, nah, let's send Alec instead. I personally think it's adorable that Alexander Graham Bell is considered an American hero when he was really... Scottish by way of England by way of Canada at best.
1: But I mean America is good at a few things and appropriation is one of those things. Oh yeah. So we'll just say you you're an American now. Hell yeah. Come Hell on yeah. Over. Fireworks, bald eagles, Pachoo, pachoo. guns everywhere.
0: Uh, Bell apparently did a really good job training the teachers in Boston and made himself redundant. He then went on to do the same thing at the just fucking awfully named American Asylum for Deaf Mutes in Hartford, Connecticut, and the Clark School for the Deaf in Northampton, Massachusetts. He went back to Canada for a bit to keep fiddling with his inventions, and he thought about going back to London to finish
1: school, but then thought better of it. Can I say so far he seems not bad. I mean he's helping deaf folks communicate and like preserve the native language. Like, dude seems pretty cool. So I am he already cares I'm already scared so for this Icarus to go into the sun and fall very, very far down. <laughs> Instead
0: of going to London, he returned to Boston, and in October 1872, Alexander Bell opened his School of Vocal Physiology and Mechanics of Speech, which attracted a large number of deaf pupils, with his first class numbering 30 students, which would be crowded today. I can't imagine that there were 30 deaf children living in Massachusetts in 1872. (laughs) Jesus Christ. While he was working as a private tutor, one of his pupils was Helen Keller, who came to him as a young child unable to see, hear, or speak. He was apparently the one who connected her with her longtime friend and teacher, Annie Sullivan, and it seems like she became a lifelong admirer of his. Bell found it hard to juggle his experiments into transmitting sound and teaching, and he became increasingly paranoid and ill. For the sake of his health, and with an eye on focusing on his experiments, Alexander Graham Bell decided to give up his lucrative private Boston practice. But he did retain two students, 6-year-old Georgie Sanders and 15-year-old Mabel Hubbard. Both families were apparently bankrolling Bell's experiments, so there was some incentive there. Also... Despite being 11 years younger than him and his fucking student, Alexander Graham Bell thought Mabel was a hottie potatoe, and she (laughs) became the object of his
1: affection. How did I know when you mentioned her age that it would go this way?
0: Yeah. Uh, So Mabel wasn't born deaf. She became deaf after contracting scarlet fever at the age of five. She already uh, was able to read lips, but her father, Gardner, it's either Gardner or Gardnier. Garnier. Garnier Fruities Green Covered.
1: <laughs> that's the joke I was just about to make. <laughs> so you go in there. Garnier Fruities, Bell's benefit factor, and personal friend. Mm, I love being personal friends with mm. the men's whose daughter I'm fucking. It.
0: it mm, mm. It's just mm, that's that's every guy i've ever done on this podcast i think somehow <laughs> um but yeah he uh her dad wanted her to work directly with her teacher mm, mm, more on this mm. later
1: i do what i have to say though okay uh-huh the fact that like this dude like fucking manipulates fucking tongue movements and like phonetics and shit you know you know he good you know he good at going down you know this man has some talent
0: he has several degrees in <laughs> mouth stuff
1: and i'm just saying there's a reason that 15 year old maybell's like sign me up Let's go, bitch.
0: <laughs> it was a different time <laughs> As you already know, Alexander Graham Bell is credited with inventing the telephone with his assistant, Thomas Watson, which is definitely sort of true. You see, Antonio Mucci sent a telephone model and technical details to the Western Union Telegraph Company describing a telephone. Hmm. I already said telephone model and technical details, huh? Yeah. He failed to win a meeting with executives, and when he uh, asked for his materials to be returned in 1974, he was told they had been lost. Two years later, Alexander Graham Bell, who shared a laboratory with Mucci, (laughs) filed a patent for a telephone, became a celebrity, and made a lucrative deal with Western
1: Union. In that motherfucker tried to kill Alexander Graham Bell at every opportunity.
0: Well, he tried to sue Bell, and it even went to the Supreme Court, but Mucci died first. So Aww. that really wasn't for the final product of the phone. That was more of a like design concept. So I'm sure Bell took it from there with his own ideas. But but you see, there was this guy. <laughs> there was this other guy, Alicia Gray, who thought of a way to transmit speech using a water transmitter. Uh, and on February 14th, 1876, Gray filed a caveat with the U.S. Patent Office for a telephone design that used a water transmitter. And that same morning, Bell's lawyers filed an application for, like, the same thing with the Patent Office. And Bell just, Bell's just happened to arrive first. Uh-huh. Despite the fact that he was out of state on that day. Yeah. Uh, on March 10th, 1876, three days after his patent was issued, Bell used a liquid transmitter that was so very similar to Gray's design to transmit the phrase, Mr. Watson, come here. I want to see you to an adjoining room. And I am not arguing that his experiment didn't work, but I also do feel that if it was in an adjoining room, you probably could hear him anyway.
1: Mr. Watson! <laughs> <laughs> <Just tell me. laughs> like, oh, it's a miracle, I can hear It's it. a miracle.
0: <laughs> so, in ca- I mean, I realize I've, I, I've sort of made a lot of innuendos to the idea that he, would like, maybe stole stuff before. The patent examiner, Zenas Fisk Wilbur, great name. That is Jesus, a great name. Mm, later stated in an affidavit that he was an alcoholic who was much in debt to Bell's lawyer, Marcellus Bailey, with whom he had also served in the Civil War.
1: Okay, Marcellus Bailey absolutely sounds like a villain. That is absolutely a villain in some, like, 19th century drama. I mean, he certainly has a mustache. Uh, Wilbur
0: claimed that he showed Gray's patent caveat to Bailey. Wilbur also claimed, after Bell arrived in Washington, D.C. from Boston, that he showed Gray's caveat to To Bell, and that Bell paid him a $100, which is equivalent to over two fucking grand in today's money. Mm Mm-hmm. Bell claimed that they discussed the patent only in general terms. Although, in a letter to Gray later, Bell admitted that he learned some of the technical details. Yeah. Bell denied in an affidavit that he ever gave Wilbur any money.
1: Mm, Well, I mean, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of mm. course I did.
0: Over a period of eighteen years, the Bell Telephone Company—how many court challenges do you think would have been filed? Five hundred
1: twenty-five thousand six hundred court. Five hundred eighty-seven. Oh, okay. There court challenges
0: uh, uh, to its patents, including five that went to the U.S. Supreme Court, but none were successful on July eleventh eighteen seventy seven a few days after the Bell Telephone Company was established, Bell married Mabel Hubbard. She was twenty when they got married, but had been courting her since she was his fifteen year old student. It was not even especially chill back then
1: i mean.
0: I mean. <sighs> His wedding present to his bride was to turn over 1,487 of his 1,497 shares in the newly formed Bell Telephone Company. So romantic, and so pointless, considering it was 1877, and she was a woman, and they shared assets, right. and she had no rights. Oh, well. Together, they would have four children, two daughters that lived, and two sons who died in infancy. In 1881, Bell tried to design a metal detector to find the bullets inside a dying President Garfield, but he couldn't find them and Garfield died.
1: Oh, well.
0: Despite this, doctors were like, hell yeah, they were very into the invention, and it was later credited with saving lives in World War I and led to the modern metal detector. Cool. So that's
1: cool. Um, poor Garfield, he didn't deserve that shit
0: I mean, I don't know if he did or not, TBH, like, I'll do him at some
1: point and figure out if he did my understanding is that, and again, man I, this is who knows, my understanding is that it really had very little to do with him, the dude was just pissed off in general Was this? he'd only been president for like six months but it was the second
0: time he was the one that was president Uh -uh. twice with separated terms I don't think so I'm googling it I'm Googling it. This is great podcasting, but I'm Googling it.
1: Yeah, I could have sworn that he was, like, only president for, like, six months.
0: Who am I thinking of? McKinley? I am just drunk enough that this is difficult to Google. Grover Cleveland.
1: Oh. Yeah, yeah. The the dude who killed him was this guy named Gato, who was, this was all... Oh, yeah. And he was like, I deserve things because you won, and... James A. Garfield was like, new phone, who dis? And he was like, well, then I'm gonna shoot you. And then he was hung. And, you know. Oh, was
0: this was this the one where Garfield was then like, please don't be too hard on him. He didn't know what he did. And then <sighs> dropped dead like a week later. I don't know. Mostly because they were so bad at fishing at the bullets. Like, apparently. It was all infection. Yeah, apparently Alexander Graham Bell did his level best with this metal detector, but they also would only let him scan the half of the body that they thought the bullet was on and not the other
1: half of the body. Well, again, these doctors at this point are just doing fucking Yahtzee in there. Um, Yeah. So, the point is, Alexander Graham Bell was like, hey, dudes, let's try to get these bullets out. And the surgeons were like, actually, we just want to put our hands in there and rummage around really hard and see if anything happens. And then he died. And <laughs> that's the end of that.
0: Yep. Bell became a naturalized citizen of the United States in 1882 <laughs> after the invention of the telephone, not before. Um, but despite his newfound American citizenship, Bell began building a compound in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, which is in Canada, in case you are wondering, which he completed in 1889. The Bell family split their time between the house, which I have been to, and it is lovely, and Washington, D.C.,
1: Sorry, you called it a compound. So I was immediately thinking some fucking some fucking doomsday prep shit. It is a lovely compound, but it's definitely a
0: compound. It's like multiple buildings on the same. Si- it's like an estate. Uh, it is not just a house. It's a bunch of it's a bunch of shit on a huge tract of land overlooking a lake. Huge, massive tracts of, of land. On his Canadian estate, Bell read. On the Origin of Species, and took it way too seriously. He conducted and recorded breeding experiments with sheep. Over the course of more than 30 years, Bell sought to produce a breed of sheep with four functional nipples. He nasty. Why? Because he wanted it to be able to feed two lambs. Obviously.
1: Okay, that's just, you could you could do all sorts of breeding shit, and you're just like, more nipples. Like, what a weird direction yep, to go yep, in. Yep.
0: Um, in case you're wondering, he did not stop his eugenics bullshit at sheep. Mm. So here's where we get into the bullshit of Alexander Graham Bell. And much of the credit for this episode goes to the fabulous Jessica Kelgren fozard Follow her on YouTube if you aren't already. I didn't know much about Bell uh before watching her uh video that she put out on him in like 2019 but he's been on my list like since the podcast started. Um Jessica is herself deaf though not from birth and she did a really great job explaining the let us call it complicated relationship between Alexander Graham Bell and the deaf community. Yeah. So in November 1883 he presented a paper at a meeting of the National Academy of Sciences titled "Upon the Formation of a Deaf Variety of the Human Race." What? It was it. It was all about applying eugenics to deafness. Uh, uh, he's, well. Okay, so his thing to
1: make them deaf on purpose.
0: No, his thing was, uh, essentially, I'll get into this more, but his thing was that deaf people had figured out sign language and they were interacting in communities. If deaf parents got together, then Charles Darwin says that their child is definitely going to be deaf. So because deaf people were, like, having interactions with each other and creating a culture that didn't involve him, then suddenly everyone was going to be deaf.
1: But it's okay for him to fuck his deaf wife because his children would clearly be hearing.
0: Yes, and scream into his deaf mother's forehead.
1: Right. Because, okay.
0: because he had deaf friends, you see, and
1: he was just <laughs> trying to help. Um, I want to help you guys so much. I'd love to eradicate you entirely. Just... Mm. He stated,
0: those who believe... As I do, that the production of a defective race of human being would be a great calamity to the world will examine carefully the causes that will lead to the intermarriage of the deaf with the object of applying a remedy. Mm. So he didn't want deaf people to marry each other. That's sort of the main takeaway. Yeah. He also noted that a special language adapted for the use of such a race Already was in existence a language different from English as French or German or Russian.
1: Okay? You like all the languages. I don't understand. You speak like eight. Well, n- uh, there's the thing. He didn't know how to speak eight languages. He
0: knew how to make the noises of eight languages.
1: Ooh, ee, ooh, ah, ah. Oh, ee. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh...
0: So Bell was a proponent of audism and oralism, which are basically the ideas that it's inherently better to speak and read lips than to use sign language in that Uh, hearing people are better than deaf
1: people. Yeah, that bullshit. Here's a question, though, real quick. Mm -hmm. So he's like, yeah, we can't allow deaf people to marry because they would have deaf children and like what could be worse than Mm -hmm. like deaf people. But like, does he have a problem with like deaf gays? I don't
0: think that he acknowledged that there were gays, because, again, Darwinism, everybody is born to have babies, so nobody's really gay. He didn't really address it.
1: Because, like, I imagine, like, if your whole thing is propagating the species, and it's like, yeah, like, deaf people certainly can't fuck and, like, have babies. It's like, but gays? Y'all are good. Y'all are just doing your thing. (laughs) Well, he also didn't seem
0: to care that fucking 90% of deaf people are born to hearing parents, and that both his wife and his mother became deaf later in life. Like, it's not always something that you were born with that is hereditary. No,
1: but you see, it's not something he's going to talk about. (laughs) It's, like, the whole thing about, like, actually, talking about the gays, it's, like, this: is, there's a reason why we don't like gay people getting married and having children. It's because then they'll pass on the gay. But, like, a lot of gays are born to straight people. And, yeah. like, we're just not going to talk about that. Yes. um, But, yeah, like,
0: I'm not an expert on deaf culture. I don't presume to speak on behalf of the deaf community. And I also understand that the, the deaf community is not a monolith anyway. But I'm going to do my best as an ally to explain why... His ideas are bad. So deaf culture is the set of social beliefs, behaviors, art, literary traditions, history, values, and shared institutions of communities that are influenced by deafness in which use sign language as the main means of communication. Members of the deaf community tend to view deafness as, as a difference in human experience rather than a disability or disease. Many members take pride in their deaf identity. They see sign language as a cornerstone of their culture and part of who they are. So the idea that a deaf world would be a calamity is enormously insulting and shitty. Yeah. 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 I, I would love for his wife to have spoken out... On what her thoughts were on this, but I don't think she did. I mean, I think his mother was probably dead by then. Probably, statistically. But
1: let's get back to
0: that uh, remedy that he mentioned. Mm,
1: remedy, um, like a final remedy or solution, or well,
0: you see, influential people at the time, including Bell, especially Bell, uh, saw deafness as something that should be eradicated. He believed that humanity should try to breed out deafness and ensure that people who were deaf learn to read lips and speak rather than use sign language so they could fully integrate into society. Which definitely reeks of, just try harder to look like us so we don't have to feel uncomfortable or learn anything new.
1: Yeah, society can eat me. Eat uh.
0: While some eugenicists called for legislation outlawing intermarriage by deaf people, Bell would- he would never do such a thing. He just rejected such a pen because he felt it would be impractical, not morally wrong.
1: Uh, He's not wrong that it would be very impractical. Yeah. But- Well,
0: I mean, instead he proposed the following steps. Determine the causes- that promote intermarriages among the deaf and dumb and remove them. Uh, The causes that he sought to remove were sign language, deaf teachers, and residential schools. His solution was the creation of special day schools taught by hearing teachers that would enforce a ban on sign language, usually by beatings. Mm-mm. The documents didn't say that, but they were very fond of
1: beatings. You also said the word residential schools, and I was thinking of a different kind of residential school that put a different kind of marginalized group in it and let them and refused to let them speak their own language and like yeah. have their own culture. And it's like I'm just so glad that we just keep doing this. Like it's super cool how well, like this okay never so, ends.
0: So the weird thing with that is. He sought to end residential schools because previously it was like schools for the deaf. And he was like, "No, we're not doing schools for the deaf where they can like congregate for long periods of time and develop their own because they might with each fuck. other." They might fuck. They might talk sign language to each other in their off time. No, we're just going to have them in day school so they have no downtime in which they could possibly use sign language on the sly so we can monitor them and make sure that they are pretending to talk like hearing people as God intended. Man, God's a jerk. (laughs) It's it's a complex issue. And, again... Because I haven't mentioned it in the last 30 seconds. Bill's
1: mother and wife were both deaf. Yeah, but they spoke because he taught them to speak.
0: And spoke directly into their heads. <laughs> <laughs> just screamed directly at their heads. i just
1: like, just thinking about like, you know, if like your wife had done the, or like you had done the dishes and your wife's mad at you and you're just like up and forward like, it's not my fault. <laughs> just, like, yelling, like, just having a full, like, spousal argument where one person's mouth is jammed against your temple. Bless.
0: Belle said, again, that for- that sign language was a foreign language, and that, in an English-speaking country like the United States, oh. the English language, in the English language alone should be used as the means of communication and instruction...
1: Oh, fuck off with that. First of all, you're you're fucking Scottish. He's fucking Scottish. You you barely barely speak English. English. (laughs) (laughs) Like, get out of here with that shit.
0: Yeah, aren't you glad I'm not trying to do a Scottish accent for any of these quotes, Jesus?
1: I turned my man into a bear. That's not it. (laughs) No, no, I always just think of that one thing. Brave. uh, Not just brave, but it was Merida from Wreck-It Ralph 2, and she does this thing. Hold on. I give me Mammy a cake, she turns into a big bear, and Aldian tried to Darren. (laughs) It's like, when she's speaking in Reggae ralph 2, and they're like, what is she saying? (laughs) And Wern's like, we don't know. We don't know. (laughs) We don't know. We just nod whenever she says
0: anything. Oh, my God. Anyway, because I... Okay, so again, remember, deaf community had developed sign language. They were doing their thing. They were marrying each other. Belly and the Eugenicists took this weirdly personally. And, like, a big part of this, a big part of this was eradicating sign language and discouraging deaf culture so that deaf people would feel isolated. So they would purposefully feel bad and they would have to assimilate. Never mind that there were, like, communities and families who had been deaf for generations and then suddenly not allowing deaf kids to learn sign language meant that they couldn't communicate with their parents, grandparents, and communities.
1: Well, yeah, because who gives a shit? Not Alexander Graham
0: Bell, that's (laughs) for fucking sure. (laughs) Uh, The National Association of the Deaf and other community organizations tried to defend the use of sign language in the classroom, calling it the natural language of the deaf, and arguing that a reliance on oral communication alone would be educationally disastrous for most deaf students. However, in 1880, encouraged by Bell's earlier presentations and screams into the void... 164 delegates, including only one fucking deaf guy, one out of 164, formed the Second International Congress on Education of the Deaf in Milan. After deliberations from September 6th to 11th, the Congress declared that oral education, or oralism as I've mentioned before, was superior to sign language and passed a resolution banning the use of sign language in school.
1: I'm sorry, but, like, who, how do they have any authority? I mean, because, Like, there's just a bunch of dudes in a club somewhere saying, like, we. Because but, like,
0: they know deaf people and they care so
1: much. But yeah, but, like, who has who listens to them? I mean. I can start my own school. Like, fuck y'all, I'm out.
0: Unfortunately, a lot of people listened to them. It was a big problem. And a formal apology was made by the board of the 21st International Congress on Education of the Death uh, in Vancouver in 2010, acknowledging that this practice was discrimination and violated human and constitutional rights and was bad.
1: Sorry, dudes. We... My bad, we we are bad, right? We like so hard. It was a bit of a whoopsie, all right? Like, you know, Sorry. not pointing fingers, all right? but like that's on us. whoops, <laughs> if you will, lest you think Alex'
0: bigotry was limited to the deaf community. He was also a big just big old racist. Uh, he <laughs> opposed immigration to the United States of undesirable ethnic elements. Bitch,
1: you emigrated. Get the fuck out of here.
0: <laughs> uh, undesirable ethnic elements that he felt stopped the evolution of a higher and nobler class of man in America.
1: Do you find it, like, it's all it's a real coincidence that when we talk about a higher class of man in America, that's always includes you. You think you're part hmm. of it. hmm, hmm. hmm. Get your weak-ass blood out of here. I don't want any of that shit. He was
0: a fucking immigrant that was spending more than half of his fucking time in Canada, and yet he's over here talking about you can't allow fucking ethnic undesirables to immigrate to the United States lest it halt evolution. Fuck,
1: shut the fuck up. Like, get your weak. Chinned ass out of here. Like, as if you're the pinnacle of genetic perfection. Like, fuck off with that. I don't know how weak his
0: chin was. He always had a very robust beard. There's a reason he had a beard. That's because the chin
1: was in his face. Like, and re- recessed entirely. <laughs> somehow, to behind the his bullshit forehead. out of his mouth. Criminy. Bell's
0: talks on deafness and eugenics attracted the interest of Charles Davenport, a Harvard professor... Founder of the American Breeders Association and head of the Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory. You may remember Charles and the Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory from their development of model sterilization laws in our Buck versus Bill episode.
1: Gross!
0: In 1910, Davenport opened the Eugenics Records Office at Cold Spring Harbor. To give the organization scientific credibility, Davenport set up a board of scientific directors and appointed Bell as chairman.
1: You ain't no geneticist. Like, dude, you fuck around with, like, tongue stuff.
0: With sheep nipples.
1: And sheep nipples and shit. Like, get out of here.
0: In 1921, a second international congress, lots of second international congresses, but a second international congress of eugenics was held in New York's Museum of Natural History. Although Bell did not present any research or speak as part of the proceedings, he was named as an honorary president as a way to give the organization credibility. This gathering as well as the Eugenics Records Office, did take concrete steps to enforce involuntary sterilization across the United States and ultimately inspired Adolf Hitler's views mm-hmm. on ethnic cleansing. So there is that.
1: Could you imagine like, trying to create some legitimate like, fucking eugenics association? You're like, yeah, we got the Verizon cable guy. He's our president. That makes us legitimate. And you're like... What the fuck does, what does that have to do with anything with like genetics and shit? They're like, well, he understands 5G. Okay. Well, I don't fucking care. It,
0: it, here is in my mind, I, I think that the closest to this you could get would be to have a, a another 22 convention, another men's rights activism's content. Convention and name Lizzo the fucking keynote speaker and go see <laughs> feminists. It's cool. She Lizzo would, she never. would never. Yeah, it's it's not good. And at that note, I'm happy to report that Bell died of complications arising from diabetes on August second, nineteen twenty two, at his estate in Cape Breton, at seventy five. Oh no. While tending to him after his long illness, Mabel whispered, Don't leave me. By way of reply, Bell signed no, lost consciousness, and died shortly after. He signed it, cause it's useful. After Bell's funeral, every phone on the continent of North America was silenced in honor of the man who had given to mankind the means for direct communication at a distance.
1: The I put my cell phone on mute. (laughs) And I never took it off because I always forget it's on mute. (laughs) I was
0: going to make a joke about your 1922 cell phone. He actually did do some research into what he called a photophone, which he was like, this is my greatest invention, which was him trying to create a phone that worked on light, which actually was kind of a prototype to a cell phone. But, uh, you know.
1: He got caught up in eugenics. It happens got to everybody. In,
0: he got distracted by the numbers of dimples on his Canadian sheep.
1: Mm. Who among us?
0: American hero. The Alexander Graham Bell Association for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing, uh, which I'm just going to call the AGB, is a company whose stated mission is to provide healthcare workers, families, and teachers education to better understand hearing loss and the importance of early diagnosis and intervention they still, at least as of 2019, promote spoken language and de-emphasize the importance of sign language.. Yes. They rigorously promote cochlear implants from companies that they have shares in.
1: I mean uh, them money honey?
0: Allegedly I, I, I need to be clear, allegedly, we are not worth suing.) <laughs> true uh we we make no money from this i don't know that they could anyway um so yeah that's kind of weird um cochlear implants i have to say are a complex issue many people benefit from them but i do think it's fairly okay to say that promoting devices to make you normal which is what they're trying to sell it to parents as to the exclusion of sign language and deaf culture is well gross Pretty gross. A little gross at minimum. To wrap it up, though. Outside the deaf community, Bell is regarded as a hero. He is intrinsically linked with science and innovation, as well as organizations like Science Magazine, which he helped co-found, National Geographic, which he was president of, and the Smithsonian, which he worked closely with. And also Decibels were named after him, apparently. That's why it's got Bell on the end. Uh, all right. it's like a tenth of a bell uh, uh, his education of deaf children even led to language breakthroughs and the integration of deaf children into mainstream schools but, but. while he did some good shit in the world, his positions and prominence in the scientific community unquestionably harmed deaf people in the deaf community at large While he did not directly advocate for their sterilization or laws outright banning deaf-to-deaf marriages, other people used his name and credibility in the shitty things he said to advocate for these things and advocate for them somewhat successfully.
1: Legacies are complex.
0: Yes. Some more than most. Yes. He's... He's worse than Tesla, but he did not try to fuck a bird that we know of.
1: You know, when you get that feather on that weight and you have to judge the soul, like that bird fucking, you know, you never know how that's going to... You
0: never know how the bird fucking's going to turn out. You never know how getting under sheep, like, and just checking for nipples is going to go either, frankly. It's
1: not just checking for more
0: nipples. Working nipples. Or working nipples.
1: Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can't be for show. No. Mm-mm. Well. Uh. <laughs> um I am once again sad that eugenics have has come up once again in Why in, in, does it always come up? You you love you love a eugenicist. I it don't know what to just say. It always ends up that way, Jesus Christ. Which is why I think we need a self-care plan. <laughs>
0: So, in lieu of my traditional how-to-make-yourself-feel-good plan, um Deaf History Month starts on March 12th and goes through April 15th. I don't know why it's considered a month. I don't know why it doesn't occur continuously during one month, but there you are. Um I want to give some tips on how to be a good ally to the Deaf community. I... Did not make these up myself because I am not a deaf person and I do not speak for deaf people. And that would be some dumb bullshit for me to try to
1: do. So I got these. Oh, my God. Would it be really dumb for you to speak on behalf of an entire group of people without knowing anything about their experience? Just because I have deaf friends? What? What?
0: Um, I got these tips, uh, and just kind of remixed them from, uh, the fabulous deaf blogger, Mommy Gone Tropical, uh, if you want to check out any more of her stuff. First and foremost, let them fucking advocate for themselves, Jesus fucking Christ. Hey. You know who the most effective advocates for the deaf community are? Deaf adults. Mm. Deaf children usually need more assistance because they're children, but defer to a deaf adult if one is willing and able and there to advocate for the child. Mm. Number two, the deaf community is not a monolith. Not all deaf people have the same needs because they have different levels of hearing loss. And also, not all deaf people want the same things. What? You need to actually communicate and ask before presuming to speak on their behalf as an ally. So it's best to start off by asking, what do they need from you rather than assuming? Three, hearing privilege is a fucking thing. Recognize that it's a fucking thing. While deaf culture is important and complex and something worth celebrating, deaf people are often treated differently, and often worse by hearing people. Just because you know sign language or some things about the deaf community doesn't mean you can speak on behalf of deaf people. Four, make an effort to make deaf people feel included. Always. (laughs) There are not permissible exceptions.
1: But I don't even like Janice. I don't want to invite her to my function. Shut um. the fuck up. <laughs> and take the time to figure out how to communicate and then fucking do it. I'm going to learn sign language so I can tell Janice to fuck off. You <laughs> I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's honestly
0: more empowering than just ghosting Janice Jesus. Like, it's great to learn sign language if that's what moves you. But, like, if the way to communicate is by, you know, just making sure that you speak directly at the person instead of turning your head where they can't read your lips. Or, like, doing some kind of speech-to-text thing so they can read what you're saying. Like, there's ways to jerry-rig it if you don't speak sign language Be creative.
1: There are so many ways to tell Janice to fuck off. There's so many ways. (laughs) I don't know
0: why you have gone so scorched earth on this. Ladies and gentlemen, we do not know a Janice that I'm aware of. Ren might know a fucking Janice. I don't know a Janice. I take no ownership of this. (laughs) And lastly, avoid saying or doing anything that frames deafness in a negative way. Like, which is important, so try not to be an ableist jerk like Alexander Graham Bell. An ableist jerk who thought he was being a good dude.
1: Uh, I mean, the road to hell... ...paved with a bunch of white men's intentions. (laughs) (laughs) The road
0: to hell is paved with shouting into your mother's forehead... Like, honestly, if that's paved with white men,
1: just like those are the yes. bricks laid into the earth.
0: You're just walking and you go, Henry Ford, is that oh you? Oh, my God. My goodness. Huh. <laughs> well, that's going to be all for us this week, folks.
1: If you like what you're hearing and also want to step on Henry Ford's face, you should check us out at this fnguypod.com. Or on Twitter at this f and guy pod. We have a Patreon, which is also this f and guy pod. Facebook is a thing, and that is this fucking guy. And if you found us through Facebook, hello. I also want to add the caveat when we talk about stepping on Henry Ford. It's not in a sexy way. No, it's in a it's in a stumpy. He's not getting any pleasure from this. No, no, absolutely not.
0: Also check out Jessica Kelgren Fozard on YouTube if you haven't already. Oh my God, she's a delight. I don't think you even follow her, Ren, but you need to get check that shit out. I'm oh down. my God, I'm down for it. As always, I'm Ginger Golub. I am Ren Martinez. And here's a bonus self care tip: floss your fucking teeth. It's been too long.
1: Ooh, it has. Also. Don't be this fucking guy. Peace.
0: This fucking guy.